Hello and welcome to another episode of Screen Wars, our thought leader series, where we learn from industry experts about the latest trends and challenges from across the convergent TV space. Hosted by Michael Beach. Hey, today I'm joined by Howard Schimmel. Howard's a huge gift for us because uh, it's probably impossible to find anyone with better experience and insight into the challenges of the convergent TV space than Howard. Uh, you know, currently he's the head of strategy at DataFuelX, you know, really exciting startup uh, in the measurement space and data space. Uh, prior to that, he was chief research officer at Turner uh, and executive at Nielsen. Uh, and even before that, you know, stints at MTV and AOL. So he's really seen it all. Um, you know, we cover, uh, you know, overall the state of measurement today, kind of what are the big missing pieces. Um, he's got some really good insight into what he thinks the impact will be at the upfronts this year with people using alternative currencies. Um, you know, we talk about um, really interesting insight about what a, um, how large a national panel would have to be to capture all the fragmentation today. Uh, so I think you'll really, really enjoy the conversation. So yeah, please enjoy my conversation with Howard Schimmel. All right, Howard, welcome to Screen Wars. Thank you, Michael. It's great to be here. Absolutely. Uh, well, I got a, a ton of questions today. Uh, before we jump in, you mind giving our audience a little bit of background on DataFuelX and the problem you solve? Yeah, so um, DataFuelX is a not quite two-year-old startup. Uh, we um, have amazing expertise in the world of forecasting and optimization. Uh, we're working with a bunch of major publishers um, specifically on allowing them to optimize data-driven linear right now. Um, at the same time, one of the things we're working on is a way to allow advertisers to do a better job of integrating what they're doing on linear with what they're doing in any sort of addressable media. I mean, we're, we're living in a world where um, it is, it's, it's wasteful if an ad that, uh, an impression that an advertiser buys in addressable media contributes to linear's frequency challenges, right? Where, you know, linear has a problem where Fewer people are being reached, and but those people who are being reached are being reached more often. So we've built the product we call Precision X, which basically allows um, a publisher or an advertiser to forecast where reach and frequency is going to fall at a unique ID level um, with the idea that those signals then can be pushed into a DSP so that the DSP can make sure they're not buying impressions that are contributing to frequency, excess frequency. They're buying impressions that contribute to either incremental reach or frequency support for people who are gonna have wider frequency. And the key thing, while there, there are products that address this in the market already, they tend to have to wait for linear, a linear schedule to start to run. Our, our, we're forecasting based on knowing what the media plan is for next week. So we're sort of more anticipated, anticipatory than reactive. How do you think uh, the customer, because uh, to me, that's a no brainer, right? Like if you can forecast like that, you do it. Is that uh, kind of create challenges with how they're, they're used to looking backwards at everything, not necessarily forward? Yeah, look, I think we are having a challenge with, you know, can you forecast accurately with this degree of precision? You know, we're not we're not trying to forecast how many people are going to watch a show. We're trying to forecast your probability of being reached by this ad campaign next week. Um, but no, we're getting great reaction to the market, both on the publisher side as well as the agency side. Just you know, 
a new product we're looking to sort of, I'm actually hoping the market starts to realize it, it is waste and it's waste that's mitigated or you're able to mitigate it if you, you know, if a, an addressable ad falls with someone who's got a lot of TV frequency. I mean, there's just no value to that. And, and if you could use analytics and forecasting right to avoid it, you should. Yeah. Um, you know, talking about the, the data-driven linear product, you know, to me, I, I've been surprised that it just seems like from a market opportunity, you know, the, the number of TV dollars that are out there, that is actually the biggest pie to convert from agent gender to data-driven linear. And I, and I saw you talk about it on a, another talk recently, kind of, you know, what are your thoughts overall on that market and the kind of growth opportunity? Yeah, great question. Um, look, one of the things I think is an industry we need to acknowledge is there was a major challenge trying to do data-driven linear off of a panel of 40,000 households, right, Nielsen. Um, you know, those challenges are twofold. One is um, you definitely had cutoffs for how big the target needed to be to be statistically reliable in terms of your forecasting. Um, and then the other problem is because of so much TV viewing is long tail, lower rated, um, you know, you, you just didn't have line of sight to a lot of inventory that I think a publisher would want to monetize or an advertiser, an agency would want to leverage. Um, you know, the reality now that where you're starting to see companies like VideoAmp gain traction, um, you know, the reality is their sample size of 40 million households or 40 million devices basically means you could do data-driven linear for any target, you know, any target where it'd be relevant to be on national TV. Mm -hmm. um, and that, you know, once you identify that target, you could forecast with a high degree of accuracy, low rated inventory. So it's almost as if I think while everybody talks about these alternative currency wars as replacing Nielsen, I think the big value is what I described, the ability to truly have the right data set to drive data-driven linear. Um, from a, a product standpoint, uh, you know, what we're doing is we're bringing uh, what we believe is a new way of forecasting with a higher degree of accuracy than some of the things that are being in market. Um, and we're also bringing a new science around deal optimization um, where we believe we could use analytics better to allow a publisher to get more yield out of a deal on behalf of an advertiser or let an advertiser be able to get more yield with all the publishers that they're dealing with. So it, so one of the reasons we feel really good about our opportunity is it's both the data as well as the data science. And, and look, linear is going to go be around here for a long time. It's not going away. Um, so we think it's the right time to sort of maybe give the market a little bit of a boost based on better capabilities. Yeah, with that and your kind of earlier point about over frequency, you know, how, you know, obviously the kind of poor experience on streaming, you know, well kind of documented, uh, same ad and same pod. But, you know, what do you see on linear? Is there, you know, similar issues or? Yeah, look, what. One of the challenges, and, and, and five years ago, I was running research at Turner, um, you know, understood the national advertising market. Um, you know, that market is suffering from not enough advertisers. And the advertisers that are staying seem like they want to keep their GRP 
goals very consistent to what they've been in the past. And, and because linear is eroding at the rate it's ro- eroding, you know, 15% a year, maybe in terms of ratings generally, um, you know, it means that they're buying more spots. And if you have declining reach, same GRPs, you have higher frequency, right? So linear is equally as bad. I, I think anybody who watches it sees the challenges. And, you know, it is a matter of, I think, Part of one of the one of the um, contributing factors is just not enough advertisers. You know, there's always been this issue of looking at Facebook or or Amazon with millions of U.S. advertisers versus national TV, which is really driven by about two thousand brands. Yeah. What I mean, speaking of you know, kind of measurement and kind of new currencies, you know, from a real high level, you know, where are we currently at? Um, we're in a really, really interesting place. I mean, I've been around this business 40 years, maybe even more. Um, um, I did start when I was five, so I'm only 45. But, um, <laughs> you know, there, it's an interesting juxtaposition because um, Nielsen has had, obviously, market dominance for a long, long time. Nielsen's had a monopoly in national TV measurement uh, or for pretty much forever, they've had a monopoly in national and local pretty much since the nineties. Um, you know, with the exception of some, some competition from Comscore. Um, the reality now is that you have companies like VideoAmp and iSpot who are establishing themselves as viable alternatives to Nielsen. Um, you know, you just see sort of what N- NBC's announcement with iSpot a year ago in terms of using them. NBC actually just recently extended that and said that they're going to use VideoAmp also in the upfront. Um, so you have viable alternatives, you know, at a time where Nielsen honestly is stumbling. Um, you know, they stumbled because of COVID, which was, look, that was not a, a situation that any company, I think, had the right preparation for, right? Um, it was a once-in-a-lifetime experience. But the reality is they did stumble. They lost the MRC accreditation. Um, They've had, I think, a hard time being clear with the market about the value of their Nielsen One offering. That has had a couple of sort of starts and stops. So you basically have this scenario where you have well-established competitors while the incumbent is challenged. and, and also, I think the key thing, too, is that you have the market accepts measurement could come from big data, you know, informed by, you know, so if you think about what um, VideoAmp does, they have set-top box data, they have ACR data, they have, they use, they, they, they have a way of modeling demographics. The market is okay with doing that. You know, we've, we've you know, maybe this is not for a researcher like me, not a great thing to say, but we've lost some of our stuffiness, right? That it's gotta be pristine. Well, the reality is it can't be pristine in a world where there's so much fragmentation, you need massive sample sizes. The market couldn't afford a Nielsen panel of a million homes, but maybe you'd need a million homes to accurately represent what's going on on TV. So it's a great time. you know, I think there was a lot of anticipation last year in the upfront. I think last year, maybe the market, I think we, 
I think the market didn't necessarily anticipate all of the challenges with doing business off of other currencies beyond beyond Nielsen. You know, even this simple thing like can data be in media ocean for an agency to plan against, right? I mean, there, you know, it's there's a lot of plumbing involved in executing TV deals. Um, this year, the market is ready. Um, you know, I I wouldn't be surprised if you're seeing 30, 40, 50% of upfront deals being done using something other than Nielsen. Well, kind of on that, I mean, you know, buy side and sell side so well, you know, who do you think benefits the most in the short term from, you know, the, sh- you know, the shifts in measurement? Look, I actually think they both do. I don't think anybody comes out on top. Uh, you know, if you're a programmer, you know, the reality is more of your ratings, more of your content is a bit lower rated. Um, you need good data and you need big data to be able to reflect that well. You know, the, you know, the conversation we had earlier about data-driven linear. Um, but if you're an agency and you're supply constrained, the last thing you want to do is have a bunch of your inventory not measured. So I honestly believe, I, I've always been a proponent that linear TV is a great, great media channel. Um, and, but it's just a lot of the value hasn't been unleashed partially because of measurement. And, you know, I just think sort of now with having big data and the capabilities and data-driven linear, um, it helps unleash that, you know, it'll be great if we stop using demographics like women 18 to 49 execute TV. Um, and, um, you know, I think everybody, I think the buy side and the sell side gain, both gain equally. Well, kind of on that note, then why, you know, a lot of the announcements are, you know, sellers with, you know, video amp or nice spot. Is that um, they're the best market because of the economics in the short term? You know, they're investing before maybe an agency or uh, I've been surprised that you haven't seen more agencies and buyers being out there. Yeah. Um, I mean, a couple of things. One is, um, if you're a publisher now, you need every capability in your, in your toolkit to drive new yield. And if using one of these alternative currency providers enables that, they need to take advantage of that. Um, you know, I, I do think there is a little bit more um, frustration with Nielsen, um, especially tied to the size of the checks that these companies are cutting to Nielsen. Um, where I think that's a you know obviously a giant um, giant uh, part of the equation. So I just think the publishers, you know, just tend to drive an innovation a little faster than the buy side does. Yeah, it's always been man, lose my voice. Uh, surprising to me that um, you know coming more from the digital background originally that the fees were in that, you know, the revenue structure was, was pretty equal on both sides. You know, that you were, as a buyer, you were kind of totally, uh, ad ser- you know, sometimes you might use one ad server and the publisher would use another, or you would use a different measurement partner. Um, and that, I, I kind of thought that would more start to replicate itself and create, cause I do believe that the TAM for this is so much larger than yeah. what Nielsen does today, but trying to figure out, you know, you know, is it going to be 50, 50 or 70, 30 between buyer and sellers? Interesting problem. Yep. Yep. 
No, no, agreed. Um, you know, big picture, what do you think the big, biggest disconnect is between buyer and seller? That's a great question. I actually think, I actually think maybe not between buyer and seller, but I think jointly, um, we should be more sophisticated in our ability to execute media. And, and that could be, you know, an agency building a plan and activate, you know, buying the plan, activating it could be the publisher creating that plan where we need to move beyond just exposure, reaching frequency, GRPs as our end goal. Um, because obviously all exposures are not equal. Um, you know, both within media as well as across media. And, you know, I, I'm a believer that the market could start to move more towards some sort of outcome-based measurement where part of what you need to do is make sure you have in your planning data sets other variables that may align with outcomes or be directly correlated with outcomes. I mean, you know, you think about what NBC announced at their um, 123 event around qu content quality. Well, content, you know, content quality should be one of the attributes that, um, that align with better sales response for, a, you know, given media. Um, I've always been a big fan of Bill Harvey driver tags. Driver tags basically measure the, the sort of the, the, the sync between the content and the ads. And when I was at Turner, Bill, Bill Harvey and I did some research where we showed a higher sales lift if there was better alignment between the content and the ad than if there was worse alignment. Um, Long-winded way to say, you know, it's the year 2023, we should be moving, the entire industry would benefit by moving away from just measuring exposure and there are a lot of very interesting capabilities that have either existed or are emerging. And I think it'd be great if we actually focused on, we need to measure right, right? You need to count exposure right. But beyond that, we all need better signals to whether you're buyer or seller to drive more yield and more response. So I think more it's like, how do we as an industry really start talking about that it tends to get tabled because we're still trying to measure right, right? Yeah. But I, I, I think we gotta do both. All right, then on that, you know, quick question: uh, Netflix CPM of sixty to eighty-five dollars, high, low, or right on spot? Look, it's what the market will bear. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, you know, it's what the market will bear. It's got to be the easiest thing for an agency to sell to an advertiser, right? Um, so yeah, I think probably right on target. I mean, yep. and look, they have brilliant people there between Naylor and Adam Gerber. Um, I'm sure they know. I'm sure they had the right estimate going in. Yeah, I agree. I think we're going to look back and uh, especially they start to add you know, measurement or any kind of targeting. It's going to be a no brainer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, kind of on that, we, we talked about, you know, kind of new forms of measurement and attention. I know a company that, you know, are both involved with Hype Metrics that we're excited about. You know, what do you see kind of big picture you know, their role in the market and kind of what excites you most about them? Yeah, look, I am uh, from the day I met Joanna and Gerardo, um, I've been a fan of their technology. 
um, because the reality is the, the, the advertising ecosystem has gotten so fragmented in terms of sort of how content gets to the screen, what's the app it's being served through, what's the device that's getting it to the screen, um, that, you know, I believe that, you know, we tended to think in the past that we need to just measure, you know, how many people are watching Big Bang Theory on TVS. And we didn't really care about how much of that content was coming from Comcast or Charter, right? That was because we sold national ads. You know, now an advertiser can buy an impression that's served on the office on Peacock directly through the, you know, through direct the publisher. They can buy it through Trade Desk. They can arbitrage it through the connected TV device seller. And because the market is so fragmented, measurement needs to have that level of granularity. And I really believe that the Haifa approach, what they do with being able to scrape what's on the screen, um, what they're doing with, um, you know, with tap, you know, with their ability to sort of tap into all the HDMI ports. I believe that is, you know, 22nd century technology um, and that the market really needs to understand that. Um, uh, the other, the other thing that excites me is, um, look, the, the, the ability, you know, we do have to acknowledge that af at the end of the day, there are real human beings in the panels we're deploying, right. Um, you know, average Americans and, you know, the reality that they're able to go out and offer, um, choice in terms of how demographics are counted, I think is really, really smart. Um, so, I, look, I love their technology. Um, I think it's right for the market at the time, especially in a world where, um, and we, we mentioned this before, the market has really spoken that big data, set-top box data, ACR data, informed by a really good panel is the way to measure national television or national cross-media. And so I really think Haifa is almost the ideal panel component to that big data and panel um, architecture that the market seems to have voted on as the right way to measure television. Yeah, I love it. Because I, I you look at the ingredients they create, there's so many places they can help. I mean, that was kind of my first, uh, I've driven our product people crazy about just different ideas about, yeah. oh, we can use it here, we can use it here. And it's, um, you know, so many burning needs they help solve. Well, and it's even simpler too, because Look, you know, if we were talking to Samsung, they want to measure the a banner ad on their home screen. There is, you know, ACR can't find that, right? You know, the, you know, people want to understand when, um, you know, a network is doing golf and the ad runs while in half the screen. There's a lot of great operational activation things that Haifa is going to inform. I heard I could talk to you for hours. So uh, <clears throat> I got one more question for you. If, if you could wave a magic wand and change one thing about the video measurement space, what would it be? Wow. Oh, geez, this is, that's hard. Um, one thing. Uh, 
this is going to be pretty lame, but that we solved the cross-platform measurement problem in the year 2007, which is when we needed to solve it. Um, you know, it's not as if it's a new problem. Um, I, I had the luxury of working in Nielsen then and helping them try to start to roll some of this stuff out. We should have solved this problem a long time ago. We would have, the market would have been better and um, sort of something I said, focusing on measurement distracts you from focusing on making advertising work. Or if you're a seller, driving yield, focusing on things you could do to drive more yield for the bushel of impressions and spots you have. So I wish we would have solved that so we could be focusing on some, some of the more higher order things. Yeah, it would have been a different world for sure. Um, well, Howard, man, I really enjoyed this conversation. I know our, our, our audience is going to love it. So thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Screen Wars. I hope you enjoyed the discussion. You can find out more about Cross Screen Media at crossscreenmedia.com. Please don't forget to sign up for our weekly newsletter, State of the Screens. You can find us on social media at Cross Screen Media. Join us next time for more insights and analysis straight from the experts.